Let's turn now to Ukraine, where the capital city remains under siege. Skies lit up tonight over the capital in the most intense and sustained aerial bombardment the city has seen since the invasion began. Crisis also triggering fears of a humanitarian disaster with tens of thousands of Ukrainians forced from their homes. Even with Russia bearing down, President Volodymyr Zelensky was on the streets in defiance, saying your president is here, despite saying earlier that the enemy has identified me as the number one target. You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable, that's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle. I'm Brian. And if you don't want to miss anything, just hit that subscribe button. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. Joining us live is our good friend and regular contributor, Dr. Glenn Dewar, Associate Professor of International Studies at Cedarville University. Now, I want to talk about some broader issues in the uh, Ukraine-Russia conflict, but could you give us a picture of where are we this morning in this conflict? It's a, a very, very scary moment for many. Uh, we're in the fog of war, so it's hard to know the exact uh, numbers, death tolls, etc. Uh, but what we have seen is a significant escalation by the Putin regime in the uh, illegal conflict, uh, targeting civilians now, especially the, a brutal bombing of the second largest city, Kharkiv, in the uh, east of the uh, country of Ukraine. And uh, advances by the Russian military in kind of a crescent around from the north through the east down through the south. So it's a, an increase in the territories gained illegally in 2014 in Crimea, and then in the east in Donetsk and Luhansk. And so Russian forces seem to be advancing to Kyiv in the north, the capital, uh, Kharkiv, as I mentioned, in the uh, kind of northeast, and then increasing territory around Donetsk and Luhansk, kind of eastern states and then uh, above Crimea, uh, closing in on the major cities of Odessa and Mariupol uh, as well. And seemingly the Ukrainians are, are rallying in major numbers. There's a real uptick in support uh, for their cause and seemingly gaining a, a number of victories on the ground, but they are vastly outnumbered uh, in the sky and it, it remains a major problem for them strategically. Uh, as Russia uh, continues to bomb. Now, the president of Ukraine is getting a ton of attention, I think partly for some of his bold statements and his willingness to stay. Mm -hmm. What do we know of him and what's your evaluation of his leadership? It took me by surprise because he defeated a few years ago uh, a billionaire president, Petro Poroshenko, who was largely viewed as someone that would be able to stand up to uh, Putin, given his uh, wealth, his business 
activities, etc. But Ukraine stalled. It's had its troubles economically. And uh, Volodymyr Zelensky is, is a fascinating character. He's 44 years old. No political experience beforehand. Uh, and was a comedian on television who played the role of a president uh, on a, a comic TV show. Uh, but as we've seen this past week, clearly highly charismatic, very telegenic, and uh, you know, clearly uh, emerging as a, as a leader for the 21st century before our eyes in terms of his willingness to rally his people, to utilize social media in the middle of Kiev, the capital city, to simply say, look, I'm, I'm staying. Uh, he's already accumulated a number of key punchlines. You know, I need ammunition, not a ride. Yeah, what a uh, line. Responding <laughs> to the United States. I mean, just really incredible stuff. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, he's also the first Jewish president of Ukraine. You know, when when Putin talks about you know, denazifying Ukraine, it's it's there's just such an irony when it's a Jewish president. And for a time, there was a Jewish prime minister as well. So the only country outside of Israel with a Jewish president and prime minister was Ukraine. <laughs> uh, and so there are fascinating elements like that at play. And uh, Zelensky has, has really, I think, captured the hearts of, of many, many people around the world. We'll continue a discussion with Dr. Glenn Dewar, Associate Professor of International Studies at Cedarville. It's a different war. Having a country invade another in 2022, could we see more involvement from around the globe? Are there any hope of the Ukrainians winning or at least surviving? Mm -hmm. We'll talk more about that in just a few. Hey, it's Brian. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener-supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. We need your financial support. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks. With us live, Dr. Glenn Dewar, Associate Professor of International Studies at Cedarville University. Go to cedarville.edu for more. Now, Doc, as far as my estimation goes, this is like the first country over country invasion in a truly globalized society. Now, in the past, people kind of were skeptical of the power of sanctions in a fist fighting world. Do you think that a truly global economy today changes the game at all in terms of world influence on Russia? It certainly could. Uh, over Even over the last few days, uh, the Russian ruble has dropped around 35%. Interest rates were raised from 9.5% to 20%. So just think about buying a home or obtaining a loan. Uh, Visa, MasterCard, Apple Pay, Google Pay have all been shut off, meaning you know, people are trying to you know, pay with their watches or phones at the subway and just can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, Russian hotels are asking people to pay their bills early because they, they fear being shut off from the system. And so 
Uh, there's a lot happening. Uh, the SWIFT banking system, which is uh, one portion of the globalized banking system, uh, looked like it would not sanction Russia, but has now um, uh, every European country has fallen into line and Russia is increasingly ostracized. And so it, it, it could have very real reverberations for some time. It's also likely to push Russia and China closer mm-hmm. because they're going to have to work together in order to you know, accomplish things uh, economically. And Russia may look for other partners around the world. Uh, Jair Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil, has spoken very kindly about Vladimir Putin. And so uh, there are different axes that potentially could open up in all of this. But it's a, a set of sanctions that have uh, bitten hard in the last few days. And we'll see what the outcome is in the next few weeks. As the teams are determined, you're saying uh, Russia is getting support and then other countries very clearly showing their opposition. What consequences can we in other countries experience by this? Yeah, he's got a long history and memory of of um, uh, countries and people that have opposed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've seen this for a long time. Um, Mikhail Saakashvili, who was the, the president of Georgia, uh, a very small country in the Caucasus, used to be part of the Soviet Union, in 2003, tried to disentangle Georgia from Russia. And indeed, in 2008, uh, Russia invaded the northern sections of Georgia, annexing effectively Abkhazia and South Ossetia and declaring them independent republics. Uh, in 2011, when there were parliamentary uh, elections in Russia, so there were separate presidential elections and parliamentary elections. And in 2011, when it was clear that United Russia, which is uh, Vladimir Putin's political party, cheated and it was massively fraudulent, a fixed election, uh, a lot of uh, Russians were on the streets protesting, not just in St. Petersburg and Moscow, which is fairly regular, but um, uh, made major cities across uh, the country. Uh, a lot of European and, and North American leaders spoke out, uh, and uh, a number of those leaders were then targeted later by Putin. Uh, Putin has engaged in massive cyber warfare. It's It's been in our news um, but um, countries like Estonia, Slovakia, Poland have faced far worse interference in their elections and in their e-banking and e-commerce systems than we have. Uh, and and so there's been a, a long, long history of bullying, especially of uh, perceived political opponents or anyone who dares to speak out. Uh, the good news is that many countries around the world are very united in their opposition to Putin. And so where it does crop up, should Putin survive all of this and look to retaliate, then I think there'll be a unity among uh, many countries in the world to stand up for one another. Now, of course, the world, and and at least Americans, standing behind Ukraine in so many different ways. uh, And yet, I think if we're honest with ourselves, most people, when this started, thought they don't stand a chance Mm -hmm. against Russia. Do they stand a chance? Absolutely. Uh, It's not going to be easy. Russia has uh, vast superiority in a lot of different areas. Its population approaches 150 million. Ukraine's is around 42, 43 million. And Russia has a much stronger economy on the back of 
uh, gas and um, and oil in particular, and has a stronger agricultural sector despite Ukraine's very strong reputation there. Uh, but having said that, Russia has a, a mixed military history, especially when it's on the offensive. It's lost wars that it probably should have won or expected to win. Uh, now, some of those are historical, uh, and Russia is is rightly renowned for its defenses. If we think of you know, Napoleon in 1812 or defending against Hitler or uh, parts of World War II. But in terms of offensive capabilities, uh, especially under Putin, we can we can look at a few things. Uh, we can look at Chechnya, uh, which is a, a an ethnic republic, kind of like a state in Russia in the southwest. And Putin uh, was very brutal uh, in that conflict after the initial one from 1994 to 1996 stalled uh, and the Chechens really had a lot of autonomy. Uh, but Putin uh, engaged in a very, very nasty war and then installed a puppet government, uh, Ahmad Kadyrov. His son, Ramzan, is still in charge of, of Chechnya today. Uh, I mentioned Georgia already, uh, probably the first time, first war in history where uh, cyberspace and space were used alongside air, sea and land power. So there is a, a capability there. Uh, but these are much, much smaller powers. And so Russia has has engaged in actions, but is not always successful, sometimes very slow. And as we've seen in Ukraine, uh, some of those are coming to the fore right now, just a lack of planning, expectations about how the Ukrainians would receive them. And Ukrainians have really, really rallied and have gained experience from their 2014 wars with Russia, wherein there are now you know, tens of thousands of troops with military experience in Donetsk and Luhansk and a massive, massive set of reservists that know how to form in military columns and to protect cities and uh, to work together. And so uh, it's going to be uh, an uphill climb for the Ukrainians, but absolutely there's a possibility that they may uh, exit this conflict with, with some Ukraine left. I think they will lose significant parts of the country, but there is a possibility where they will survive and keep a portion of Ukraine. USA Today reported that there, there is a majority of Americans who fear Russia could deploy nuclear weapons. Yeah. Is that a realistic fear? It's a, certainly a heightened fear. I don't think World War III is around the corner. I don't think a nuclear exchange is likely. We are in a situation where Vladimir Putin has escalated, where he is threaten the use of nuclear weapons, but he's, he's done this in the past and, and he's a very effective bluffer in that sense. And so it's unlikely uh, that it will be deployed because he knows it would be an end game for Russia. He knows that he would be, uh, there would be a response that's both uh, massive and significant on his country. And he is very cognizant of his place in history. He hates any comparison with Adolf Hitler, and that's, I think, many people in the West are going there. Uh, you can see that all over social media, and, and, and frankly, some of it is, is um, an apt comparison. So, so he's very, very calculating. 
but it's also a significant ratcheting up of tensions, especially over nuclear weaponry, in ways that we have not seen uh, since the Cuban Missile Crisis, which makes it uh, a very, very dangerous scenario. Of course, you're a follower of Christ as you teach at Cedarville University and you study in international politics. What are you hearing from Christian intellectuals across the country and the, and the globe regarding the morals and ethics of this conflict? If we look at Colossians 3.11, it talks about a unity in Christ effectively. And uh, it goes through uh, you know, no slave or free, circumcised or uncircumcised, Gentile or Jew, uh, barbarian, Scythian, etc. And it's speaking about unity in Christ. Uh, the term Scythian uh, is actually a reference 2,000 years ago where Paul was writing under the um, influence of the, the Holy Spirit and opted to, to mention the Scythian people who were nomadic living north of the Black Sea, a reference huh. to people that are in now modern-day Ukraine and Russia, which is interesting. <laughs> and so... Uh, there's a long history between Ukrainians and Russians, uh, some some 1,200 years of history uh, that's that's fascinating to walk through. But at the same time, um, I think many Christian intellectuals are looking at Ukraine and saying it has problems. Uh, its its economy has not really grown uh, significantly. There's there's still pretty widespread corruption, but it is moving forward. There is a, a freedom of religion. The Baptist and Pentecostal churches have, have done very, very well in Ukraine. Uh, and uh, people are reading their Bibles. Uh, Ukraine used to be known as the Bible Belt of the old Soviet Union and is becoming it again. Uh, a Nigerian-born pastor, Sunday Adelaide, uh, leads one of the largest churches in Kiev, the capital city. Huh and has done tremendous work in terms of feeding the homeless and being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And so all of these things are happening in Ukraine. Russia enjoyed some of that in the 1990s and into the 2000s. The Baptist Church in particular had success uh, in Russia. But under Vladimir Putin, uh, there has certainly been a good move towards, you know, move away from atheism. Uh, he's connected with the Russian Orthodox Church but he has begun to really clamp down heavily on, on anything that's seen as Western or uh, Protestant or non-Orthodox. And even the Catholic Church, he's, he's pushed back against in significant ways. And so it's a tale of two situations wherein you have this aggressive and brutal leader uh, on the world stage, Vladimir Putin, who time and time again has abused human rights and conducted illegal actions against international law. And then you have Ukraine that is uh, developing and improving, but also uh, there's the freedom of religion, which is imperfect, but the people are able to open their Bibles, they're able to uh, listen to uh, Bible-based teaching, to worship the Lord, all of the things we enjoy in the United States. And it's one of the reasons why so many Ukrainians look up to us in the United States uh, for, for liberty, constitutional rights, uh, access to the free market, things that we really take for granted in the United States, but uh, Ukrainians want to, want to emulate. And so it's, it's complex because 
we have to remember that there are thousands of brave Russians who are on the streets protesting, even though protesting is illegal in Russia. So they're going onto the streets knowing that they will be imprisoned, but they're just doing something to stand up uh, against Putin. It's also complex because there are three million ethnic Ukrainians living in Russia. Uh, these are these are peoples that are intertwined to some degree. Uh, I have friends who have you know one one parents Russian, the other parents Ukrainian. You know, how do they how do they think about proceeding in a time like this? But mm. uniformly, uh, they reject Putin, and so I think it's a, it's a line to draw to say to uh, Russians, you know, stand up against your government as best you can. Uh, you know, we don't blame you for this. Uh, we blame Putin squarely for this, and we're going to rally around the Ukrainians uh, and lift them up in prayer and lift you up in prayer uh, and, and pray for this evil of Vladimir Putin to end. Well, this has been very helpful analysis from our friend Dr. Glenn Dewar, Associate Professor of International Studies at Cedarville University. We're certainly grateful for our friends there uh, and for all the analysis you offer our listeners in this area. Please go check out cedarville.edu. Again, cedarville.edu, where you can study anything from theology to international studies, just like Dr. Glenn Dewar talks about today. Again, cedarville.edu. Thanks again, my friend. Always grateful for you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So go ahead, look down, hit that button right there and subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. Hello. You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app, and you're able to connect with us. Or just go to brianandjanelle.org. And listen, we didn't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 